Welcome to the intersection of Black culture and horticulture with your girl, Cola B. Talking. And guess what, y'all? We black in the garden. Hey, soil cousins. What's good? Happy continued Black History Month. And it's going to continue going on and on. I'm looking forward to uh, talking a little bit more about that. But as we are now, I'm coming to you in the spirit of uh, Black in the Garden Undercover. I'm going to tell you why. Because, spoiler alert, your girl is not in the studio. The sound is good, but the equipment is not, like, super profesh. Okay? So, you know, let that be a motivating force in uh, compelling you to becoming a patron. You can find that link in the notes for this episode. I call it the show notes, but sometimes I feel like I say that really fast. So I'm like, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Go look at the episode notes. Because, you know, in all honesty, truly, for real though, I be taking a little bit of time to actually like draft that up. So yeah, it would mean, it would mean something to me to know that somebody's reading it. So uh, holler at that. And click the links and push the buttons and do all that good stuff. So as we are, oh my God, this I love this. This is like gardening new year, kind of, depending on where you are. Obviously, some of us are in Mediterranean and kind of tropical ass climates with these really high hardiness zone numbers. I'm not talking to y'all. I'm not talking to y'all. Wait a minute. Hold up. Speaking of a high hardiness zone, let us take a moment just in consideration of our soil cousins in Texas, because unfortunately, what we have all come to recognize by now is that based on the premise of climate change and all, Texas is broke. Texas is broken, like we broke it. I don't know if we weren't recycling enough or if we just been running the shower water way too long before we get in or like what all the hell is going on. But y'all... Texas is broke. I mean, when it comes to climate change as a whole, I am much more inclined to put that on corporations because they have a lot more resources and just a lot more energy and and things that they are putting into the environment that is causing harm. So I'm joking when I say that we broke Texas, but Texas is still broke, though. Like, we got to try to figure out how to stay warm in Texas. That means it's broke. Because Texas, if it's nothing else, is definitely a place where we are associating it with heat. So shout out to those of us uh, soil cousins who are in Texas. If you are able to lend any kind of aid to any of the organizations that are providing that in a very honest and ethical way to help, then please, by all means, do that. And I'm looking forward to like sometime in the future being able to be more proactive or just more active and using my platform to be able to assist in things like that. But until then, I want to let y'all know that our hearts and our thoughts are going out to our Texas soil cousins. So at least we have that much. While I'm giving out shout outs, I want to give a shout out to those of you who have done the survey that I talked about on last week's episode. We need to get some information so we know what is the best way to move forward with Black in the Garden. I'm already thinking about season four. So shout out to those of you who have done the survey. We need to know what the best steps to take 
would be in going forward with Black in the Garden. And of course, we want to make upgrades and we want to just do things in a way that makes sense, that are efficient and effective. And so we appreciate the feedback that has already been provided from our soil cousins. There is a contest and a giveaway. Well, not a contest and a giveaway. There's a giveaway that is connected to that. However, by the time you hear this, you would have missed out on the opportunity to enter. That doesn't mean that you don't care about Black in the Garden, though, because you're listening. So we still would love to hear from you. And the link to that will be in the episode notes so that you can go ahead and give us your feedback and let us know a little bit more about you, Soil Cousin. I want to know about you. What's good? So thank you in advance for your participation in that. And I want to talk a little bit more. Was I talking about seeds? Where are we at? Oh, yeah, yeah. So starting seeds this time of year being kind of like a garden new year. As in, this is the time of year when we are sowing seeds. Some of you are new to this. Some of you are very much true to this. And we understand terminology like first frost, last frost. We are at the point in the year, of course, where we are anxiously anticipating that last frost. If you're in New Jersey or somewhere like that, then it's probably going to be sometime. But, you know, that last frost is the time that we use to calculate when we are getting those seeds going. And generally starting seeds indoors happens around mid-February. And I might be a few weeks after y'all that have started at that time, but just know your girl is coming. I got my seed mail. I got a few other brands, but I ride for seed mail. So I only really talk about them. Shout out to Stephanie, who you can hear as the first guest on episode two of Black in the Garden. I'm like the second episode, okay? And the finale of season two. So get into Stephanie, get into seed mail, get on the newsletter so that you can be updated when the seed mail drops are dropping. Soon enough, I know climate change, global warming and all that stuff is quite a pain in the butt, but we are gonna get there. Trust, we're gonna get there. Spring is going to spring. But in the meanwhile, as Black History Month is coming to a close, I'm just going to keep it pretty simple and brief and let you know that for me, Black History Month has been, it's been cool. I've learned a lot and I definitely want to share at least one thing that I've learned and one source that I have been learning from because it has been a damn good time. But look, culturally, what I've resounded with and what I've found myself drawn closer to is the City Girls. I've just really been, the music is just like, I can't tell you what all they be saying on all the songs, but there's something about my Black woman and Black girlness that resounds with it. And also with my advocacy for Black women. So yeah, we could argue about that later if you feel like it. You know, that's up to, that's up to you because I don't really care. But I just want you to know that the City Girls have been giving me life this month, especially as of recent. It's just something about like Black girl audacity that we just we don't get to see enough of that in in a very unadulterated, very Megan the Stallion kind of form. She's another one who I've really been enjoying this month. I can't really say that I've been listening to a lot of male rappers. If you sit and listen to a lot of female rappers for a while, male rap just don't really hit the same. And I'm saying this from a female perspective, if you feel me. So I hope that you get that. 
But that's what's been happening for me on the cultural tip is that I've just really been feeling females rapping because it's about damn time that the mic got passed back over to the estrogenated folks and let us say what we need to say and and really be bold and put it out there like that, literally, <laughs> literally and figuratively. Another thing that has become evident for me, I mentioned this in a previous episode recently, just the concept of embodiment over performativeness when it comes to blackness, because it's like, eh, I don't, I don't really have nothing to prove. I mean, it's evident enough in the fact that I'm doing a, a black podcast about gardening and this is all going to come together. Watch. Cause y'all know I like to tie shit together, but yeah, I just recognize like, Hey, you ain't got to go super hard. I'm, there's a good possibility that I could re-release a few episodes from last year, last Black History Month, just to put a little extra gravy on our Black History entree, but uh, biscuits, <laughs> a little gravy, a little extra gravy on the Black History biscuit. We'll see. Keep your ears peeled for that. But I'm just saying all that to say that I am much more at ease to enjoy the embodiment of my Blackness rather than feel like I got to do all this extra, extra shit in order to perform it and be all like, yeah, I'm just like super duper extra melanated and doing all of the blackity black things. You know, I mean, I, I just live it. And that's the best that I can do. Living, it turns out by this point in time, living is actually a pretty big deal for those of us who are able to say that that's what we're doing currently. So yeah. That's let's just leave it at that. But here's who I want you to check out the gifts that I have received. I love to learn. OK, really love to learn more about my people, my culture, my history and all of that when it comes to this time of the year and really kind of like get the fire stoked up so that I can continue throughout the year and just keep this blackness blackened, if you will. I'm going to put this in the episode notes as well on Instagram because I'm just, you know, I be I'm a grammar. That's let's just put it like that. Go follow old chap charity because what a timeline, what a creative. I'm looking at his um, bio right now and I love how he's, he's expressing what he expresses. He said, people feel limited. I use music, words and art to help them push past those limits and the post that really, really gave me life that I'm so glad that came up very recently, and just this goes back to the performativeness of my Blackness, is what he brought up on his timeline. It says an important thread if you get over to that. And it says Black people really and truly run culture. And, and then he goes on with, you know, receipts because we know this is true. But let me say it. The fact that almost every social media account of large brands and corporations speak in the voice of a black woman from the hood is something we really need to talk more about. And he does continue to expound on that in few slides on that post. I would definitely encourage you to go and read that. But once again, as I'm tying it all together. My black woman spidey senses and, and tingly radar shit is really, really, really resounding with this messaging. 
because it turns out it's true. I'm not here to try to convince you, baby. It's true. All right. Here's my theory that goes right along with that, which is that literally the hood is the heartbeat of the culture of the world. And Black women in how we express ourselves, not just in speaking, but also in dressing, nails, hair, baby hairs. Don't get me started on the baby hairs, but the nails, I don't know who be going through the hood or who just be like capturing, you know, imagery of things that are happening with the culture and the trends there. But somebody just be snatching that shit up and taking it right on over to Condé Nast and to Vogue and all of these European ass publications and media outlets and just putting it out there and saying, look, this is what's hot. Like, let us make this more Eurocentric. I don't know. I don't know what all the hell y'all be doing, but let us not be mistaken or sidetracked about the fact that the heartbeat of culture is absolutely in the hood. Now, this is where it really, really got me excited when I recognized, wow, okay, so we know that it is true that Black culture... It shifts, it has the power to, because it's evident it's been happening. It's easiest to document it through the evolution of hip hop. You can also go back to jazz times and and when Black people were making music back during those times when jazz was becoming prominent and the way that it was co-opted and the way that it was appropriated. That's the word. I don't know why I'd be trying to get co-opted and appropriated and assimilated mixed up, but just bear with me. So... I'm saying all that to say that we've learned a lot this Black History Month. And so I am happy to share with you this resource because you really need to get into this page. But as far as Black culture, shifting culture, let me bring it back to where I was going because I, I have this thing that I do where sometimes it's like I'm, I'm about to get there and then I back up a little bit. Here we go. You listening to a whole Black ass podcast about gardening right now. And for many of you, I've been told that it's your fave. This is your fave. And I'm super pumped about that. That means a lot to me. But wow, imagine it. Imagine the fact that you could be listening to any other podcasts centered around plant enthusiasts, gardening plants or whatever, but you listen into this one. This is not a gardening podcast that just happens to be hosted by a Black person, but this is a podcast that is specifically and intentionally embodying the intersection of Black culture and horticulture. We understand that it's fly and that it's dope. And we understand that certain types of content, especially when it comes to talking about things that can be very sciencey and formal and dry in so many other instances where we see these conversations happening and we see the type of content that is being presented to us, is not popping like that. It's just not. And that has a lot to do with the influence that I had on my heart and spirit when I started this show. I just want to reiterate that. I don't know if I've specifically said that enough times here or if I've said it specifically enough at all, but it remains to be true that if a conversation about something like plants and all the science and, and everything that goes around and within that, because really gardening touches on every subject, you can get into anthropology when you're talking about plants, you can get into science math, history, and activism, and social justice. Everything is connected to this subject. And we are doing it in a very intentional and blackity-black-ass way. So I'm just happy 
to be a part of that charge. And I know there's so many, so many other incredible and brilliant and talented creatives who are also producing content and getting ready to release things. I'm super excited to see that because clearly what's happening in this particular niche, which is gardening, is that once enough Black people get into it and really want to make it fly and dope, the culture of this very topic is shifted just as well. And that that can't not be positive for the Black community. So I'm very happy uh, to, to, to bring all of that to the forefront and to be very, you know, just to discuss that on Black in the Garden and Black History Month, because that's my takeaway from Black History Month. And also, <laughs> let me remind you one more time, in case you did not know or in case you forgot, that Black in the Garden this month has been featured in the curated list of the Black History Month collection on Apple Podcasts. That's a big deal for me, considering how this show started. I remember when I first found out that this show was even on Apple Podcasts. It was only like maybe a week or two after the show started all together. But when I found out that I was even in the lineup of Apple Podcasts, it didn't matter that there was thousands of other ones. It just mattered that I was one of them. And I knew that that was the start of something very special. And it was a big deal for me. And now, a little bit over a year after becoming a part of the Apple Podcasts lineup, just of podcasts in general, to be featured in a curated collection in the soul food category, no less. Y'all get into that. I hope that you're proud of me. I'm proud of myself. I'm patting myself on the back right now. I've been told, I feel like every time I celebrate or I tell somebody about an accomplishment that I'm excited about for the show, it's like, you should celebrate yourself. And I'm gonna do that. So that's what we're doing. Happy, happy, happy February and all the months Above and beyond that, because you know what happens after Black history is the Black present and the Afro future. Love that term. Love it. So speaking of the future, just on the other side of me saying what I'm saying right now, we are going to talk with John Caleb Pendleton, who is a florist up out of Chicago, dope, human, amazing floral designer. And like he just... He'd be working flowers, obviously. You can tell by the title. And that interview is coming right on up for you. Great time, great individual, and great podcast. Black in the Garden. Y'all are doing great. We're doing great. This is going well. So thank you so much for lending me your ears. I will talk to you on the other side of this interview. But hey, I'm going to wish you love, light, and soul right now anyway, because I can. Get into it. All right, so today on Black in the Garden, I am so excited to finally get to interview a florist, but let me be more specific. He is a floral and wood designer. I am talking today with John Pendleton, who is the founder of Planks and Pistols, and we're going to learn all about what that means. So welcome to Black in the Garden. It is good to be here. I've been very excited about this since we scheduled it weeks ago, so nice to meet you. Absolutely. And I've been following you for as long as I can remember in 2020. You know me, I'm like, well, you you will know if you don't. But when I'm on, especially on Instagram, with it being the visual platform that it is, and then I come across a situation where I'm like, oh, there's a Black person. Yep. Oh, yep. this is how, oh. And I yeah. jump 
directly into the inbox. I'll be trying to send emails to be more formal, but let me calm down because I must lead in with our first question. This is kind of the theme, if you will, for this season three. Let me ask you this. When did you first realize that plants were an important part of your life? Around three years ago when I started doing floral design for people outside of my wife and our home was Mm -hmm. when I started to realize that like, wow, flowers are like really important to me. And then we started to look back in our relationship and I just started to look back in my life and realize that flowers were always a big part of my life and our relationship. Tell us more about Planks and Pistols. When did that start? I'm sure that all of this is connected from what you're saying about how you were making floor arrangements for your wife Mm -hmm. and enjoying them. I remember reading where you said that fresh flowers elevate the situation. I paraphrase there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So Planks and Pistols, that name started last year in 2019. I've been doing flowers for folks since 2017, but then last year... I really kind of honed in on the name Planks and Pistols because, as you said in my introduction, I don't just do floral design, but I also do wood design because my father is a carpenter and he does fine carpentry, like kitchen cabinets and bathroom vanities and bookshelves, any type of wooden furniture. And I grew Mm -hmm. up building with him. And then my mother has always grown flowers and plants in our yard. So my brand is a manifestation of my parents and just what they poured into me. So I chose that name because it really does embody two very important thing with my hands type of traits that I got from them. Beautiful. I love the way that everything is infused. It's like kind of like a legacy between your dad and what he's doing with carpentry and your mom is growing flowers. I want to ask you right quick, what's your mom's favorite flower? She loves ranunculus. And I also love ranunculus. She loves peonies. Something I I love about Planks and Pistols as an entity is that Mm -hmm. when people think of wood, they think of like rugged and, you know, stereotypically manly and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And then with pistols, it is the female reproductive organ in the flower. Because every flower has, I think it's called an anther and a pistil. And the anther is the male reproductive organ and the pistil is the female reproductive organ. To me, it's really beautiful that my brand has something that is stereotypically masculine. And then the pistil is the feminine reproductive organ of the flower. And I think it's just a picture of humanity, how you need a balance of masculine and feminine to be whole, you know. I love that because I was really going to tell you that what I'm hearing when you say that is there's kind of like this yin and yang. There's this Mm -hmm. nod towards balance for lack of a more, I guess, specific word, but definitely, Mm -hmm. definitely that. So let's talk a little bit about the planks then. Did your father teach you? Did he get you into the wood design of it all? Yeah. So that's the thing with floral design. I didn't really learn that from my mom. It's something that I just kind of picked up. I thought mm-hmm. three years ago when I first started this, I was like, oh, people pay floors because they don't want to take the time to cut flowers for themselves. Anyone mm-hmm. can design flowers. And then a friend, an artist friend of mine was like, <laughs> no, that actually takes an eye. I'm very self-taught when it comes to my floral design. I've had some great mentors that help me and teach me some things. But with the wood design, that is 100% my dad. Some of my earliest childhood memories are in the wood shop. I remember I would take sawdust and put it in like water bottles because I just love playing with sawdust and power tools. I didn't realize until like last few years that power tools like scare some people. But for me, like I grew up 
around a saw and drill and sander and all those things. So I've been in a wood shop with my dad since I can remember. Everything that you say just makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. So I'm like, <laughs> just keep talking. When you say that you're putting sawdust into a bottle, I'm like, what is it about sawdust? Kids love playing with sand. You know what I'm saying? And it's yeah. just like, I don't know what the sensory thing about it is, but it's just it was fun. I just loved mm-hmm. it. I mean, I'm not even gonna say was. I still love making sawdust. I just I really love it so much. Oh yeah, I'm like in my happiest place when I'm cutting up flowers and making dust with wood. That is absolutely my Beautiful. happiest place. Yeah. Say more. I love yeah. it. Yes, just take me there. So the smells of the wood shop. Can you describe that? It's hard to describe. Like it's. I mean, it's, it's like a burnt smell, like a burning yeah. wood, yeah. hot wood. We, Exactly. Yeah. When Mm -hmm. you're sanding, when you're cutting things, wood moves with the heat and cold. Wood and flowers both is interesting. We cut them and they're dying. You know what I'm saying? They're no longer Mm -hmm. like connected to roots and growing. So we Mm -hmm. manipulate these dying forms of nature to like make something beautiful. And so I think when you're cutting wood, when you're sanding it, it has a bit of life to it, you know, and Mm -hmm. you're creating friction with like the wood grain i don't know it's something like very i don't know i don't even know the word for it but it's something that's like really beautiful is does not seem to be the right word um yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's something really isn't it's not even natural it's like something that i don't know it just you really are like connecting with nature in that moment you know in a weird way and it's like you're interacting with nature that is dead slash dying but mm-hmm. you're like making something beautiful out of it so it's this weird like Ooh. conundrum that you're it's in kind of like know? a resurrection it's like a new life for it yes yes yes, Ooh. yes. See? i like where this you, is going. i didn't even need to say it. you you said it yeah i mean i i'm pretty good with language and words and stuff i'll be trying to help y'all find words you Shout know cause, out to you because i'm like i'm writing that down new life resurrection i'll take it because see what i can appreciate about you this early into the interview is that Whenever you say something, the speech is, it's poetic in the way that you speak about it. And I can particularly appreciate that, especially coming from where I'm coming from as a creative. Do you identify as a creative? I do. It took me a while to like accept that. I think growing up in the South, I'm from Alabama originally in a small town. I grew up knowing that I was creative. I knew that I was creative as an adjective. Adjective. Uh Uh-huh. But as a noun, that as an identity, that has been mm. something that's new for me. And honestly, there wasn't a lot of room for Black boy in a small Southern town to be mm. a creative. And still, even today, there's only a certain number of allowed creative identities that Black boys can be. Especially and if you're heterosexual, because that's a whole other absolutely, situation absolutely. where you are having to defend like, hey, I'm a heterosexual my masculinity is not connected to my identity as a creative. You know what I'm saying? Because yes. that's where people start to question. It's not fair. It's not right. But the truth of it is that people find out that you are creative and that you talk about you creative and you love flowers. And it's just like, oh, okay, well, uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I agree with most of what you said. The mm-hmm. One thing I would kind of tweak was when you were saying like my masculinity isn't tied 
to my identity as a creative, I think one of my like passions is tying my masculinity to my identity as a creative and mm. realizing that there's a space to be masculine in floral design. There's a space yes. to be masculine in these softer creative roles. Cause I think a <laughs> lot of times it's like, oh, I'm going to push my masculinity to the side because that doesn't define me in this creative role. It's like, no, actually, I look at flowers a lot different because of my masculinity. I interact with floral design in a very different way because I am a straight man. So like, it's, it's even a running, well, a running joke with myself. But when I'm interacting <laughs> with floral, <laughs> it's like- I have lots I guess, of those. Exactly. Uh, I was like, yes. I was like, it's a running joke, but I'm like, wait, it's just me. But when I am interacting with clients for like weddings and stuff, most of the time it's the bride emailing me. Very, very seldom has a groom emailed me. But if it's a bride groom couple, it's most of the time the bride. And a lot of times mm-hmm. she will forget boutonnieres. What is a boutonniere? Okay, let me guess and tell me if I'm wrong. A boutonniere, okay. is that what the man get? Yeah, on the lapel. That's the little, that's the cute little, it's just like a little yeah. wisp of mm-hmm. something. It's not mm-hmm. really much. Okay, mm-hmm. I was right. I didn't know. People, I be knowing stuff. People forget it all the time. But I think any florist will remember to ask that. I put extra emphasis on it because I love making boutonnieres. Like I, I really try to focus in on the boutonniere because a lot of times, like exactly what you said, it's mm-hmm. just a wisp of something. And yeah. I think the boutonniere is kind of the secondary thought for some folks. It's an afterthought, like, yes. Exactly. It's like, no, let's make the boutonniere beautiful too. Because again, masculinity doesn't mean that it can't be beautiful and soft and strong (laughs) and you know what I'm saying it's like ours for the men just throw something up there I laugh because I'm seeing the scene play out in my mind where they're like put this boutonniere on and get your ass down the aisle you are getting married today (laughs) I can imagine that you're wanting to create something that makes a man feel like oh I get to wear this. This is a part of my special day. I want to wear this, yeah. And it will be a souvenir afterwards. Yeah, exactly. It can Mm -hmm. be dried and be kept. And in this same vein of like talking about masculinity with floral design, I cannot tell you how many men have like reached out to me or just friends of mine or people who I don't even know. But just so many men have reached out saying, wow, I notice flowers more because of you. I Mm. see flowers and I appreciate them more because of you. Because when you see yourself in someone, it just creates space for you to like care about whatever they care about. You a plant fluencer. (laughs) If they're associating you with their enjoyment of plants because of you specifically, then that makes you a plant fluencer. It's one of the terms we throw around around here. It's fine. You know, I kind of created like a little lexicon. We got like soil cousins and like Monstera Boo and Botanical Brothers, which is what you are. Welcome, welcome. And then the whole, yes, we are soil cousins. The soil connects us. You know what I mean? Soil is living. It is is a very connecting thing and it is a Mm life-sustaining thing. But yes, plant fluencer is one of the words that we throw around. So I couldn't wait to get a florist. I understand that you are a floral designer. So let's talk about that. What is the difference between a floral designer and a florist? So for me, a good friend of mine told me that when it comes to words, we just have to have like a mutual understanding of whatever meaning we're choosing, just so that you, me, and anyone who's listening is clear. 
people can have differing views on this, but for me, the difference between a florist and a floral designer is a florist is someone who has like a flower shop and they can put what you want together. Okay. When you are approaching a floral designer, a designer is someone, in my opinion, who guides a design process, who creates something custom and special to a mood, to a feeling. And you're telling a story with these flowers. I'm telling you, man, you is a poet and you won't even know it. (laughs) I have always in school, I always got in trouble for talking too much. And I was thinking about this just recently, how I'm like, I'm tired of using words with certain people about certain topics and certain things. Mm -hmm. And I really am. You just said, I am trying my best to tell story with flowers. And I have some really cool things that are coming to tell more stories with flowers. Mm-hmm. But the difference between florist and floral designer is that someone who has a sales clerk at a department store mm-hmm. versus personal shopper mm-hmm. is the florist to a floral designer. One is just going to sell you what you want. And the other one is going to like guide you through a design process and clothe you in something that represents you. And so oh. I try to... I'm, I do not have a website yet. And even when I do get a website, and that's okay. I, I don't either. Even when I do get a website, I won't have one of those websites. And no, no shade to any floral designers, florists who have websites where you can go and you can choose what you want. But that's just not my style. And mm-hmm. a friend of mine had to drill in my head stop calling yourself a florist because that communicates something different to some people. So for me, I try to lean in on being a floral designer because I want people to understand that when you're coming to me for something, I'm not just a vending machine that just like, <laughs> like I want this. Well, I actually don't really work with that flower too much. Like that's really outside of my style. I can do it, but I'm going to have to tweak it a little bit this way. That's the difference for me. It's nitpicky and it's a nuance, but I think it's a worthy nuance because it matters. Because it, it really does communicate something different to people. Because it makes people ask, what do you mean by floral designer? If nothing else, it makes people ask that. Words mean um, things. So, and yes. we wouldn't have so many words if it weren't for the nuance that we are trying to communicate when we use one word versus the other word. Like yes. I could say that you cute or I could say that you beautiful. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. That's just one example, of course. Yeah. But wow. Okay. So we understand the difference between floral designer and florist. And so in the floral industry, how is it post pandemic or during the pandemic? Cause you know, people at weddings are, changed or whatever Mm -hmm, they're not mm -hmm. able to do it the way they wanted to but the floral industry contemporarily like let's just say over the past 20 years have there been a lot of changes if this is easier for you to answer where it's at today versus where you think that it's going i think flowers are becoming more accessible because they Mm -hmm. at one point it didn't flowers didn't seem at least from my opinion i've like i said i've only been in this world for three years but mm-hmm. I don't think flowers used to be as accessible for people as they are now. And even people's access to high quality flowers has grown in accessibility. How? People not grocery store flowers. I'm in Chicago and there are some grocery stores in this city, Mariano's and Whole Foods and some Trader Joe's. Some mm-hmm. of these grocery stores provide very quality flour, like high quality flowers. I don't give Trader Joe's that. They give the whole assortment. You can create your own bouquet in there. Have you done that before? 
Absolutely. When I first first started, I didn't have, I didn't have access to the flower market. I was finding the grocery stores that had the best selection and stuff. And I could be completely naive because I mean, I grew up in a very small town, but I just Mm -hmm. don't see grocery stores having like Protea in there 15 years ago. I just don't see that, you know, I didn't realize this, but more and more people are getting into floral design now. And like, Mm -hmm. In, in places like Italy and some other European countries. I know Italy for sure, though. Like, people go to school for it. I've seen, like, when I'd be browsing through, I don't know what it was, but it, like, the, you know, they have classes, or I don't know if you know, but they have classes at, like, middle schools and high schools. They'll have, like, mm-hmm. after-hour kind of vocational mm-hmm. type of things. Mm-hmm. And I always would remember seeing that that would consistently be in the lineup of classes, floral design. Mm-hmm. And I noticed it more so after I got into plants in general. I'm like, yeah. oh, that seems like, you know, it seems like it'd be yeah. worth looking into. I know a school here that has a horticultural and floral design class. But in other countries, people go to like college and get a, a degree to become a florist. But I think in the States, at least, it is becoming much more accessible and more people are getting into floral design. Flowers are definitely having a moment right now from Netflix show, HBO Max has a flower competition show that's coming out. It's called Full Bloom. And um, season one, I think, just finished filming. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be launching, I don't know when. And then Mm -hmm. the big flower fight on Netflix. You watch these shows. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I've not seen Full Bloom yet, but I will be watching. It didn't come out yet. When it comes out. Like I said, I think flowers are having a moment. You mentioned Instagram. And I think Mm -hmm. Instagram has definitely aided in the floral industry because you can be like me and start making arrangements in your living room. Mm -hmm. And you take a good enough picture and people like it and they keep liking them and keep following and stuff. So Instagram has definitely aided to the, this floral moment that we've been in the Mm -hmm. past few years. I really do think we're moving to a place where in this industry, we're going to have to get more and more creative about how we market ourselves and what we're doing to sustain our businesses. Because I don't know, dried flowers are like a thing that I see more and more of. People do flower classes more and more, but just the traditional flower shop on a corner, that's just really hard to sustain. Every flower shop I know, they provide some type of other, like apothecary, jewelry, incense. Like they it's just like you got to keep the lights on so you can't Exa- just exactly. depend on flowers to do that, exactly. knowing how people Something are not wrong. responding to that in the way that yeah. will keep the lights on. Yeah, I think where flowers are going, most industries, most creative industries, especially <laughs> in a capitalist world, you get even more creative in your industry to figure out how to get the public involved more and more. So. Absolutely. So I'm glad that we can get kind of a better understanding as to how the floral industry is going, especially today. You mentioned that fresh flowers will elevate an event. I thought that it was, <laughs> I thought it was so funny slash amusing when I'm looking at your highlights and you are basically like, I'm stalking the Rock Nation event for the flowers. And I was like, that is so something that I would do. Like I watch movies and I, or TV shows and I'm checking for like, what plants they have. Mm -hmm, Exactly. And I'm like, you couldn't even really put that over there. I don't see no windows in there. That don't even make no sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So 
Let's start with this, because this is what I really want to know. Estimate, how much do you imagine? And y'all, if, if you want to indulge yourselves, go look up the Rock Nation. What year was that? This year? It was last Oh, it was what last was it year because it was definitely it was maybe earlier this year. Look maybe up the last Rock Nation. What was it called? A brunch, brunch right? Yeah, I think. It was yeah, some kind of event that it was like Beyonce and Jay Z put it on, right? Yes, and it is. What's the value there? Oh, like, if you came in oh, there and they hired you, how much would oh, you be man. charging for that? But I there's really, a difference between how much you would charge and what the value is as to how much ex- flowers were there. Do you even know, like, weight-wise, how much, like, how many blooms? I can't even Metrics. Imagine. I can't even imagine, but I would guess. I would guess, because there was a lot of roses in mm-hmm. those arches, especially. Like, say, if you've not seen it, you really do need to go look it up. But there yeah. were these arches, and I guarantee you, in one of those arches, in one, because I just did an installation last weekend, and I had 100 roses, mm-hmm. and people were like, "That's so many flowers." And then when I put it up, they're like, "Oh, that's only 100." I yeah, guarantee that doesn't sound like a lot to me when I'm thinking about how those arches were so full. Yeah, those arches, one arch. It sounds crazy to say, but I would be like 5,000 roses. It don't sound crazy to me. It's like... That's like one arch. So, I really... And and there was like six of them or more. Oh, yeah. And so if... Oh, my gosh. Like, they spent easily, easily for the flowers for this event. They spent at least, in my my guess, because the installations that were like above the eating tables and stuff... Maybe 170, 170,000. Whoa. Six figures. I really wouldn't be surprised. A six-figure like, floral arrangement installation, like, rather. Yeah. It's not even an arrangement no more. It's a whole-ass installation. Because they were all on the ceiling and shit. They had yeah, chandeliers. They had this, yeah, they had the ceiling stuff. Yeah, yeah. Wow. What's the team look like to put that together? Oh, my God. Obviously, it's not one person out there, just thousands of roses. That's what I always think of. I'm like, how do you get to the point where you have, you create the vision and then you have the team? I mean, you got, with all the stuff in the ceiling, the arches, the the delivery, and I always tell people that flowers are a last-minute event. And food, too. Food, like, you can only prep so much until it's time to cook it and serve it, you know. But yeah. with flowers, you can only do so much so early, you know, mm-hmm. because you can't be like, okay, we got this event in two weeks. Let's go ahead and make this arch and let it sit for two weeks. I'm sucking my teeth. Let me tell y'all why I'm sucking my teeth. Because, and I'm just going to blast them. I don't care. HGTV, the G is, like, rusted out. Like, take that shit out. You don't do nothing with it. The, the it's, Home and garden television, and all we get is real estate. All we ever get is real estate. Yeah. When that was yeah. that, in any event like that, is the perfect opportunity for you to create content, you know, because yeah. like TV mm-hmm. channels or whatever, all they are is just they like the old school content producers. You get what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. YouTubers and people like me producing shows or whatever, it's all the same concept. 
But yeah. let me have a bit of it. Listen, it would my yeah, YouTube been lit. I've never, okay, I've never really thought about that. I've never thought about that for real. That's the show. I'm saying HGTV. How it's just so much home and not. It's any so garden. it's all home. There's no garden. There's just not. Yeah. And I think that by now, especially with the the rise in interest of houseplants and gardening they have to have realized, recognized that they're not capitalizing on that G enough. Yeah. And I believe that they're probably getting ready to put something out, maybe a thing or two or whatever. But like, y'all, stop playing. Call me. I'll I'll help you. Just say Yeah. Two other events I had to bring up. Yes. Big Sean's new album. The cover. Let me look at The flowers on that. Is that fresh? Yeah. So you're telling me his album cover is not like just some digital backdrop. I'm going to look at it. Do you know the name of it? I do not know the name of it. because I'm telling you, I just know, I know things based on flowers. I don't know. <laughs> like, I think they're fresh flowers and then they're just put onto an album because when you see it, you can tell this is edited in some way. But then also Black is King, the flowers in Black is King. I didn't pay attention to that. I'm ashamed. See? See, people, I'm telling you. The I only saw it once. I hadn't gotten to do my rewatch yet. The flowers in Black as King mm. are like one of the main reasons why I watch Black as King. Can like, I Can I be honest with y'all? And this is going to mm-hmm. sound a little, Uh-oh. I don't care. But no, I don't know what Beyonce is doing with, with her bosom these days. But her tits was just out. And I was just like, so you don't just have them out every scene i mean it's not like i was like all up in it but i did observe that that's what was happening there i was like and maybe that's why i miss the flowers if i'm honest and it's it's fine i just want i just put that out there it's fine i don't care i'll leave it in but perhaps that is why i missed that but continue though well black is king look go back and look for the flowers and major plug to Mm -hmm. (laughs) major plug to bloom and plume maurice harris yes He's the floor designer who did all the flowers. I was going to ask you if you were familiar with his work. Of course you are. Yeah. I actually got to meet him in St. Louis at the St. Louis Art Museum. They have a thing called Art in Bloom uh-huh. where they commission, they get floral designers to interpret classic artwork in their museum uh-huh. through flowers. I mentioned this to you. That happened at a museum when I was in Columbia, South Carolina. It was really yeah. cool. It is. It was, some pictures I'll send you. St. Louis, they, man, there are. But museums. you met Bloom and Plume, though. And yeah, he is like the boss of this, you yeah, know, he had a, with um, that affiliation. He had a, um artist talk. And so he lectured. And then afterwards, me and all the other few black people that were in the room just went up and we had a whole little Soil Cousins session. So it yes, was good. it was good. Tell me some instances or just some images that really stand out in your mind from when you noticed flowers being like prominent in a setting like that. I am not the most familiar with hip hop culture, but when I think of like flowers and black people, there's like one Marsha. Marsha Ambrosius, the singer? No, the trans woman who started the riots. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. She had yeah. the hat with the yes, because I see this. Yeah. I see this image regularly. Uh, just com- it coming across. Yes. So yeah, flowers there. I think 
too very random the color purple in that movie i think it was christmas time and i think they had like this like just simple garland outside mm-hmm. their house and i don't know it's so small and so simple but also the cosby show there's a lot there you know but yeah classic show classic show claire was a gardener um, and claire was a gardener and yeah, Marsha also, P. Johnson is the name. Sorry. Marsha P. Johnson, yes. Mm-hmm. And they always had fresh flowers in their house that I mm-hmm. did not notice until recently, this past year, my wife started rewatching all the Cosby shows. And when you watch the Cosby <laughs> show, at the bottom of the staircase, there's all I'm almost always a beautiful floral arrangement there. Mm. And so I bet that was probably a black florist too. I really, Knowing how that I, was for the culture, it's worth looking into. Yeah, I should look that up. Get back to me on that. Yeah, I will. And so those are the first things that really come to mind. I know there's been a lot of like flowers with Juneteenth in times past, but those are the main things that jump off. Like I have a whole file on my Instagram, like a, mm-hmm. a, my saved folder. I have a saved folder called Flowers and Black People. And I like... Mm-hmm. When I'm bored, I'll like go through and look through to see like historical times when black people and flowers were like captured together. When you said the color purple, I thought you were going to mention that scene where it was like a lavender field or something. Yes, yes, that's also what I think of too. I also think of that because they're just she's just out in the field, but. I want to remember the scene specifically and knowing how my brain works, it could be, <laughs> not even be the pur- color purple. But it could be I, something else. I think it is a Christmas scene when it's Christmas and there's just like, I mean, super dinky little pine evergreen yeah. garland hanging outside of the house. I think you could be and right. So, Somebody's listening to this like, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the big color purple fan. My sister's a big color purple fan, so yes. I'm sure she will tell me if I was right or wrong about we that. We need to verify with her. I wish we could yeah. phone a friend. She could get in here. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right now, like, is he right or is he not right? Oh, my yeah. goodness. So I do want to talk a little bit more about the supply chain, right? I've recently become very adamant about how Black people need to be involved, especially when we're talking about agriculture and, and horticulture and how we need to go like as far up the supply chain as we can. Because when we're talking about economic advancement and, and opportunities and providing opportunities for more people, think about it like mm-hmm. this say you had a boutique and you were selling clothes or even flowers, you might have yourself, you know, be self-employed and maybe have an employee or two if you're doing well enough or you're fortunate enough to have that help. That's it. But if you are up the supply chain and you have a field that needs to be maintained or a warehouse mm-hmm. or you you get what I wear. People, mm-hmm. you get what I mean. People, 100%. so I'm like, what, do, have you given thought to yes. what the supply yes. chain looks like versus what it could look like and mm-hmm. how we could be involved, more involved, I'm sure. Tell us what your thoughts are on that. I go to the flower market and in the market, the people in charge, the managers and stuff like that mm-hmm. don't look like me. Okay. And they white. the salespeople, also white. I was about to say, I think there is one non-white salesperson and she's my salesperson. Shout out to mm-hmm. Betty. She's amazing. Betty's Mexican. Most of the people who Spanish. pack the flowers and wrap the flowers up are men of color. 
and the women who work the front desk are women of color. Mm-hmm. And I ain't mad at no black or brown person who out here making their coins and yeah. got a job. I'm happy for it. However, mm-hmm. I also want to see black folks as salespeople, black folks as managers. Yeah. And I also know that the flower farming industry that's what I'm getting at. Flower farming, yes. Incredibly white. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful for your page and for all of the black gardeners who are growing food because that is something that is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, flowers are very important. And I think, and I'm sure on this platform you talked about it, but black people's connection with food and the earth and how that's important. But mm-hmm. that's not my conversation. My conversation is black people's connection to flowers and black mm-hmm. people's connection to beauty and how mm-hmm. not only do I think it's ridiculous that black people have to fight to get healthy food, but it's ridiculous that I even have to try to justify black people's worthiness for beauty. Like flowers, beautiful flowers should be for everybody. I say all that to say flower farming is something that I feel like is not a big discussion Mm -hmm. in the horticultural world for Black people specifically. I think rightfully so. A lot of Black people who are in horticulture and in connected to the earth talk about growing food. And that's good. And you see more a lot of Black people who might have houseplants. But I I know of like one black flower farmer and that's it. What is so, uh, in Chicago actually? Oh um, good. Wait, mm-hmm. you can have a flower farm in Chicago? It gets so cold there. Yeah, so well, I mean, it's during spring, spring to fall. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. Yeah, seasonal. So yeah, I I definitely would love to see planks and pistols grow to be more than just a shop. I will always provide beautiful, eclectic design for people. Always. Beauty is my priority. Quality is Mm -hmm. my priority. And at the same time, I want to provide jobs for Black people. And I want to keep opening the door and widening the picture of what it looks like to be a Black man, what it looks like to be a straight Black man what it looks like to be a Southern lives in a city. Like I know that representation matters. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to widen that door more and more. And I know that I have to do that. I had to expand my mm-hmm. focus and find the right people to help me expand my focus. Cause I can't run the design aspect and then also run the farm and then also run the training program no. and also run, you know, so, <laughs> that um, sounds exhausting. I'm tired yeah. thinking about it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's a time thing. It's a finding the right people thing. In due time, I definitely think that I want to create as much of a self-sufficient supply chain as possible yeah. so that I can welcome more young Black folks into the process. I, use, I have a background in user development, uh, and I work with Black kids on the west side of Chicago. So um, You said youth development. Yes, youth development. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, Yeah, so you really do know how to engage with the youth. Yes, that's my greatest passion. That really is at the heart of why I do the things that I do. Have you already been able to engage with youth in bringing them into your world with flowers? 
very little bit when I worked in public schools. I would have flowers in my classroom and like just even telling people, yep, someone's paying me to do this. Like Mm -hmm. you can get paid to arrange these flowers. And so that was cool. And then now some of my former students who are like young adults now help me with deliveries and help me. I did some foraging this summer for Mm. some stuff around the city. And so they helped me with that. So yeah, little by little, but not on like a official consistent scale. I see. Well, you know what? You're continuing to learn. You're continuing to develop. Of course, your passion is is ever burning, I'm certain. So Mm -hmm. the kids are going to benefit. The youth is going to get these flowers, right? It's going to change some lives because really I... I particularly want us to be considerate of the youth and how to expose them to these types of things, even these conversations, because we got to catch them young, not just because it's like, oh, we want them to do this. You don't even have to do it. You just need to know that it's possible that you can do it. And you are more inclined to believe that is possible as a young person when you see somebody doing it that looks like you. Exactly. Mr. Flower Fantastic. Are you familiar with this work? Yes. And tell me about what, when you first saw, cause like, of course I would love to have him as a guest. We'll get there. But yeah. that is a, such a, a great example of like black excellence in black culture, horticulture. He's like, tell me what you, what you thought when you first came across him. I love everyone associates flowers with me. So when they see a cool flower, something online they immediately sent it to me so i had a couple of people send me his stuff and the fact that he's making shoes like yeah jordans and just whatever like see but primarily because he has some kind of really dope kind of commit he's been commissioned by nike right which is Mm -hmm. also like when you consider business-wise what that means Mm -hmm. incredible but he does do other arrangements like he's he's great He definitely has range. And if I remember correctly, he is the one who always has the mask on, correct? He's allergic to the flowers. I read up on him. Ah, I did not know that. Not all of them, but he's allergic to enough of them, which also speaks to like, yo, you commitment. Yeah, like the commitment. That's crazy. So yeah, he he's really great. I don't know if I read it somewhere or if I just thought it, but like it's very much a Banksy feel to him because oh, yeah. he's like so incognito and like that's really cool dope stuff you know so mm-hmm. yeah he is super super cool okay so just just another question just this is a fun one there's another fun one right so if you could design a parade float because i feel like mr flower fantastic has done that yeah he's done some bigger stuff like that yeah mm-hmm I'm just saying, like, if you could design a parade float, I don't know if I should give you a theme. Should I give you a theme? I'm going to give you a theme. Let's do it. Black excellence. Parade float. Man. Floral I was design. to divine, design a parade float that was black excellence. Oh, my gosh. Yes. It would be like the history of American music, mm-hmm. which we know mm-hmm. is black music. So it would just be just these different interpretations of like Mr. Flower Fantastic is very, he's a realist with his floor mm-hmm. design. And I would say I'm much more abstract, not even abstract. I would say like more, like um, more along the lines of impressionist kind of okay. where it's like, 
real, but it's not, you know? So it would be this like feel of just like, you know, the spirituals to the blues, to the jazz, to the R and B hip hop and stuff. So it would be just like this float where the front would be the spirituals and you would just grow into, that would be my interpretation of black excellence. Cause if nobody knows how to do music, it's us. That ain't no lie. What colors are you seeing? What textures? Oh, what flowers? What colors? I'm seeing a lot of gold because I immediately thought jazz, which made me think of a saxophone. Yes. Like lots of like bright golds, like Sadalgo and maybe some marigolds. And then darker colors at mm-hmm. first, because like a lot of the music was darker. Yeah. It had a somber feel. Especially the spirituals. It, you know, spirituals and yeah. blues and jazz. But then with the jazz started to kind of create like brighter colors. So it just go from like this dark to like this bright burst, dark, more like, I don't know how to explain the textures, but just like not anything crazy sticking out, just very like simple textures, a lot straight lines and stuff. And then with mm-hmm. jazz, just stuff just shooting everywhere. And then hip hop, more of a, it would be like more of a repetition with like the flower. So it would be like, mm-hmm. you know, things mirroring because rhyming happens that way. Like so bars. you got my wheels turning. I'm kind of upset at you for that question because now I feel like, you know, being a creative once an idea is in you. Oh, I'm so sorry. You get it I out. know exactly so what you're I'm talking upset. about. Now you pregnant. I got you pregnant. Yeah, I'm upset with you in a great way. I'm in a great way. In a great way. I have uh, impregnated you with inspiration. Literally, yes, because you don't literally, have I have to get it out for the other kind. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, this last one, I promise. Real fun one. Your favorite parade? My favorite parade is the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade because of the family aspect of it. Every Thanksgiving, that is what's on. As like my mom is making her famous oh. cornbread dressing, and like, oh yeah, like we are just, uh, and it comes on like two different channels, so we're like flipping back and forth because you you see the music performances on one channel, yeah. and then you see the different thing, then you got Al Roker, and just yeah, so absolutely makes a treasure. Great, yeah. mm, fantastic. We're gonna like wrap up on that note because I feel like you know, boom, that was that was nice. Let's just. Put a pin in that and tell us where we can find you and how we can support you. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram, soon coming a website, but it is Planks and Pistols on Instagram, Planks Mm -hmm. and Pistols on Facebook. That's P-L-A-N-K-S ampersand P-I-S-T-I-L-S. And if you want to email me, all of that email text, that's all in my profile on Instagram. Yes, and it's in the show notes. Y'all know I ain't going to do y'all like that and just be like, well, y'all just go find whatever he said. It will be in the show notes. But hey, you know, go find your support. It is definitely a work of art to be able to take it all in and see what all it is that you're doing. We appreciate you tremendously. The work that you're doing is very important. The beautification is relevant and it is necessary. So as I end every episode, I would like to wish you love, light, and soil. <laughs>